Hello, and a very warm welcome to the Star Trek Review Podcast. Trek this out. I'm your host, Bob, uh, and joining me upon the bridge uh, are John, Lindsay, Andrea, and Suke. Uh, on this episode of the podcast, we are reviewing uh, Deep Space Nine episode, The Ship. We'll be reading your uh, your feedback to the story, putting some lights out of five on this, having some daft shenanigans, etc. along the way. So I'm going to push this lever, and we're going to go to warp drive. Engage! I don't know. I, d- I, I heard know. leather. It's leather <laughs> as in lever. I've got to push this leather. Let's get into this. Leather engaged. Um, I'm going to come round and uh, speak to you guys and find out what you thought of this episode, Deep Space Nine. Uh, the ship, Sucky, I'll come to you first. Um, what's your first sort of vibe? First vibe on this episode, please. It was good, wasn't it? It was. It was a really good, solid episode, and it ended on a sort of downbeat. But it's one of these ones that really make you think: what is, what, what's the futility of going into this, uh, into war? Maybe not war. Maybe uh, fighting for the cause and stuff. Right. And I did enjoy this episode. So yeah, it's a positive from me. I like a positive from you, Sucky. Uh, Andrea. So I think obviously I'm kind of well and truly like in the middle of a Deep Space Nine rewatch um, and I'm just kind of getting towards the end of series five so I'd watched this quite recently anyway um, and my sort of notes at the moment is that I think season five is quite a good point for Deep Space Nine I think it's kind of found its stride um, and knows what it's about but I also think when it's good it's excellent and when it's really bad it is absolutely fucking awful um, <laughs> and I think this is in that good kind of it's a very serious episode, and there's very little in the way of sort of comic relief in this one. It's quite a heavy episode, but I th- think it was really well done. Um, I was quite happy with that one. Ah, excellent. That's good. Two positives. Uh, John? Uh, yeah, I'd mirror the, uh, the previous two. Um, I think that it was, it was a, a nicely compact story. It opened up plenty of little, little gaps for the kind of Cold War feeling that, that Deep Space Nine starts to get after this point, and... Uh, yeah, it was a good, good, tightly done episode with some good emotional points. Oh wow, this is positive, positive, positive. Lindsay, you're going to continue in this vein. Looks like I am. Yes, good. This is what we're here to it's do. It's true, oh. medical angst. Is what more do you want? Well done, medical oh. angst. And this was not it. Um, you know what? It's not awful. It's really not an awful episode. But I think it's maybe it epitomises why. Having like I've watched all of DS9, and I have tried to start an, a rewatch on several occasions, and I just don't engage with it as well. Like I know, I know that objectively it is one of the best bits of Star Trek. Like, I understand that, like it has some great things going for it, but this episode, like I just have like at least we have so many questions of like just nonsense stuff, um, and I don't. I don't invest in the characters the way that I personally need to in order to like make the most of it. Mm. Well, I was getting really excited then with the positive, positive, positive. Then you went less than tepid, Lindsay. Less than tepid. I'm not going to say less than tepid. I'm not telling you it's awful Star Trek. I'm just saying like I, I, I struggle to see why people love it as much as they do. I don't worry about it, Bob. She's wrong. It's fine. <laughs> Oh. It is a hill. I am standing on it. Yeah, I red... may or may not die on it later. Someone's <laughs> getting red shirted already, John. Um, right. Okay. I I made a mistake. I watched the episode prior to this, which is the first one of season five, the one where um, they all turn into Klingons 
uh, and there's a Klingon shapeshifter or whatever they are. Um, and I fucking love that episode, and it's brilliant. It's very different to this one. Uh, this one's obviously very serious and all them things. Um, it's, it's yeah, I, I love Deep Space Nine, and I will have loved... I don't remember this episode from my, from my uh, first watch of Deep Space Nine. Uh, I don't think... But yeah, it was it was good. It's a good episode. It was all right. I think, like I said, I think I went in incorrectly, and I think Deep Space Nine definitely benefits from watching it back to back as well. Um, but yeah, I might I might just go go beyond tepid. Um, yeah, so this could be an interesting review, which is always I th- good. I think I think the good part about it is that the Gem had our ship. Uh, Handily lands in a quarry, which if I've watched any Doctor Who and Blake Seven, is where you need to land <laughs> for exactly. anything like this to happen. Exactly. Um, cool. Well, I'm going to stick in a little trailer, and then we'll get in deep. An enemy vessel, a warship, a Jem'Hadar warship, falls into Cisco's hands. No survivors. To get it back, the Jem'Hadar are willing to kill for it. This is our ship. Was your ship? Now it's mine. But to uncover its secret. The Forder doesn't want the ship. She wants something aboard. Is Cisco willing to die for it? We have you completely surrounded. On the next Star Trek Deep Space Nine. I like to start off with controversy in any review, so I'm going to come to Sucky, the most controversial figure on this podcast. Am I? <laughs> what? what? <laughs> just checking you're awake. <laughs> Just checking well, you're awake, so it seems like a very positive. I've actually just woke up from a beauty sleep about 20 minutes ago, half an hour ago. So does not work. Yeah. Cool. So what do you think of this one? <laughs> uh, no, yes, it's a bit. As I said, it is a really good episode, uh, and you've got the whole thing with the ship being there and for the the the, the S9 crew to explore it and then being attacked by the Gemadar, and because. It, the Gemadar are trying to find something that they won't let the DS9 crew know about. Now that's where the distrust comes along, and that's a whole thing that plays out. Is Cisco doesn't trust Kalina, and Kalina doesn't trust Cisco to uh, the extent that whether nobody would have died if they if the uh, the Gemadar crew had just come out from wherever they'd come from and just said to them, look. That is our property. We just want something off that you can have whatever. And told us straight away, none of this would have, uh, none of this would have escalated. But it did. It's just one of these unfortunate things within our society when communication doesn't work, uh, hasn't worked because nobody trusts each other. Go on, and Erlins. <laughs> oh, it. nicely it done, easy. nicely done. Like thirty seconds in, and. Get it out of the way <laughs> first. For me, this is the struggle because that just feels like an incredibly trite, like way to kind of sum up like human nature and our fear of other and our inability to work together. Like, talking, if the, we don't talk enough. Is that what we, what you mean? Well, well, we don't talk enough, but like there is too much history there. So, like the idea that if Cisco and the Vorta had trusted each other, then none of this would have happened is insane because the Vorta had already killed three of his crewmen men before he met her like th- this this is a conflict that has been in the making for some extended period of time and it's been in the making because the dominion is clearly a threat to the federation by this stage like clearly like we can say that it wouldn't have happened if they like trusted each other but in order to trust each other one of you has to want not to take yeah. over another nation like yeah. 
it, it's it, like, it's peak well, DS9 rubbish. Like, there is, there look, is, here is a trout phrase, and oh, I wish it was all better. Like, I think the thing is, there, there is communication, but there's manipulation in that communication. That's the and that's the other problem, or the other bit which adds to the peril of the episode or whatever. Uh, it's okay. But that fundamentally doesn't Sorry. address the fact that she, like, it, the, like the, the concept that the thing where Cisco's like, oh, if we just trusted each other. It isn't true. It doesn't work. Yeah, but if, if they'd have started, sorry, if they'd have started straight away, it's because this was written for another character. The part of Kalina was written for an actress called Molly Hagen, who had already appeared as a character called Eris. And this is somebody who's already familiar within the DS9 universe as a character who appeared in the second season or something like that. Now, if that character had been there, maybe the communication which she she would have probably still come out blazing straight away and kill the run, destroy the runabout because that's what they would have done and then they would have, she would have communicated but this doesn't happen so the the trust between the the communication the early communication and the familiarity between a previously known uh Vorta, Vorta character like Eris and Cisco would have been there but no straight away there was a distrust i i just i think i know what Lindsay's uh, Lindsay's saying but I just think that this is just all down to miscommunication. No, I, I would disagree with that, Sucky, and agree with Lindsay on this. <gasps> I think the there is a there are two at heads bodies, aren't they? Cisco can't trust the other one because they're out for something. The other one can't trust Cisco because he's going to be defensive about it. So there was never going to be any trust there, and if any trust was going to be there, it would be too easy for one of them just to flip it. And like, both, of them, both of them have got the uh, ability and the the uh, the need to get a dominate dominate that circumstance, and so it was never going to end up as anything other than a conflict. And I suppose like that's what frustrates me because like what DS9 does incredibly well is build like complex relationships and characters who are not black and white and situations that develop over time, and you know, we're just not quite sure what's going on. So. Like, that doesn't sit well with me in the then, like, planting in this, oh, yeah, but it could have all just been fine. Like, yeah, and, but, and maybe it would have been different if, Su if Suki is suggesting that it should have been a character that, that Suku did, in fact, know already. Then that is maybe a slightly different kind of thing. But that's not what we got. I mean, I've got, I've got struggles with this, which, which are not necessarily the, the communication, miscommunication or mistrust or manipulation. Um, my thing was I forgot and I keep forgetting when you when you watch Deep Space Nine in order um, the uh, the fact that how well how much my mind got blown when I found when Odo found his people that there were other shapeshifters or changelings or whatever they are the founders and and then they eventually have these godlike powers that become the enemy the turmoil of Odo with all this situation um, and I think for, and I think probably when I watch this one. I, I had that in my head, the forefront of my mind, how powerful these people were, how godlike, how powerful the Dominion were. And I kind of just forgot about all that watching this episode, which is why I don't think I was as full on as as maybe or positive as you guys are. Um, but I imagine, like I say, when I watched this initially, I was like, wow, 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 wow. Because if you put it in that context, if, if I was in the mindset of my original watch, this would have been, yeah, this would have been fucking amazing, I suppose. Um the strength of the characters. Angie being quiet 
I have been because I think the thing I like about it is I've kind of well, we've already alluded to the Doctor Who quarry, um, but I actually it's almost that kind of base under siege format, which I yeah. tend to mm. quite like. Um, I quite like that sort of include that quite claustrophobic um, kind of element to it, which which I quite enjoyed. And to be honest, I'm looking at my notes and I've got plenty of criticism, um, but just sort of holistically, I just quite enjoyed the episode. I was quite happy with that kind of time ticking down. What I do have to say is, you know, when you get that siege situation, my first thought always goes to the toilets. And I'm thinking, <laughs> right, they're going to be there for like two and a half days. They're all wearing those like really uncomfortable jumpsuits. Did the Jem'Hadar have like bogs like ours? Like, how does that like go about? Like, does everyone stay awake for all of that time? I have lots of questions about what happens in these siege situations, um, but bogs <laughs> is always top of my list. Well, I think Jem'Hadar, because they've got them tubes, haven't they? Now, now I was just thinking of toileting then, and when you mentioned Jem'Hadar, maybe the urine is what feeds them through the tubes. But I was also thinking like, surely if you just whipped a tube off its face, they die, so they're a bit shit, aren't they? Like, like a Sontaran and its little hole at the back of its neck. They're not very good, Lindsay. Uh, is those tubes not all about the ketrol, whatever it is? Yeah, the, they are. The, yeah. yeah. Uh, not not we. All... Or poo. No. no. It's an addictive drug They're... that they are yeah. addicted to, by which the water control them. But I know, I know. But but there might be we and poo in well, it as well. It might be their toilet facility. Pretty sure yeah. it's not. Um, so, so I did not go literally to the latrine, um, but but one of my issues, one of my issues, uh, like I don't like I'm gonna have to keep coming back to the fact that I don't think this is an awful episode. I just have some serious kind of uh, issues with it, and one of them is the fact that they don't they don't address things like water, like they don't address that like, amazing plot point that's really key for an exciting static episode. <laughs> How the fuck do they get the water? Where do we shit? No, but like if, if you. <laughs> It's a more sensible version of what I'm saying, though, isn't it? Really, the practicalities yeah. of it, like you almost just have to skirt over those because, like, <coughs> imagine like they're not going to show you. Well, like, and, and they did. You've got 45 minutes for this shit. No pun intended, but like, <laughs> you've got to cherry pick the stuff yeah. that you need to need no, to show but, but, you. Like, you know but, I mean? but but having enough, you know, you know, if it is a sealed ship, do they have enough oxygen? Like. Like, these things are important. Like for me, for me to buy into that situation, I need all I need is a throwaway line saying we found some water. If we ration it, it's enough. Well, or so... I need somebody to verbalise the fact that Munoz is clearly running a fever and has an infection. But they don't but yeah, address so... any of that. Right. No, no. Cause if if it if it was a base under siege where they have to survive, yeah, I can understand that would be Ellen. But it's a base under siege where there's an attack, and that is the key plot point. So. I understand your need for the minutiae of medical bullshit. <laughs> You've but got you can a... understand why the TV executives, the writers and storytellers didn't think, well, fuck you now, we have to make sure he's <laughs> got his fever on a chart somewhere so we can determine just how much plasma he has or hasn't got this, and bullshit like that. This but you'll is... find that that information is in most episodes that have this kind of is situation. It, it, it's okay. not necessary for the situation, though, is it? But That's it is! <laughs> But it's not this... because the the issue is shut up, Sucky. I'm trying to fucking argue with Lindsay. I know, that I'm trying to make the point. I know, I know, but I'm trying to make the point is like the, the if it was a survival thing, it's not a survival thing. The countdown, the peril is all for an attack from the uh, an external source. So that is the central focus point for the entire show. Yeah, Why would they need to bother with the fucking minutiae? 
Because there's no point in them surviving the external attack if they're going to die of dehydration before they're rescued. Two and a half days until they're getting rescued, right? It's two and a half days until the shit. Yeah, and two and a half days without liquid. (laughs) Most people are pretty much non-functional. So, yeah, it makes a difference. It doesn't make any fucking difference to me. Well, it's, it does to me. That's all I'm saying. Sucky, shut the fuck so, up trying to interview. Can I, interrupt okay. Andrew, no, Andrew, go Andrew, go. No, Andrew, Andrew's got a hand up. I haven't. I'm going to change the subject. Um, can we talk about Worf, right? Because I feel, and something I have noticed since he kind of pops up in DS9, is in a lot of ways it's almost like TNG didn't happen and they like over Klingonize him to the point yeah, where I was like, did yeah. this person actually like, was he brought up on earth with human parents? And is he just like done these years on a ship, like with all of these people learning all of these sort of cultural nuances and stuff to it. And he's like, basically he's like, yeah, like bitch is going to die. It's the Klingon way. <laughs> and he like, surely he knows not to yeah. say that. Like, I must, I must he had a relationship with like, like, all of those people are on that ship for all of that time. I'm sure he knows. You don't stand there and go, yeah, he's going to die. We need to tell him he's going to die. I, you would think he'd learned that, like, that wasn't the right thing to say in the situation. That's, um, in, my, but- that's, in, that's in my notes is to just a quick, quick to anger for no, what appears to be no reason. Well, like, he, he's decided to be a full-on Klingon and O'Brien then gets all shirty and all that it's, as well. He's, he's, they backtracked his character just so they could have that little ending with O'Brien and a little bit of conflict. It was a little bit clunkily done. It was, yeah. Andrea? Who's satisfied? Yeah. Then he kind of goes down this route of, he's like, he's like fucking scrappy do for half. He's like, let me out, let me out. <laughs> no. And it's like, no, no, Nobody no. Likes we're, we're not going to do that. But I do, I just find it's like, you know, it was quite, an, it, it was potentially quite a nice little moment when he kind of went and sat with O'Brien at the end. But you're thinking, well, if you know that that's like, like, why on earth are you like basically standing there going, yeah, your pal's going to die. I mean, let's tell your pal he's going to die. And it, it just seems like I, I don't think they always get off right in Deep yeah. Space Nine. And I think yeah. the. A kind of, I don't know if it's just that toner and that kind of slightly spiral perm he's got that's maybe just made his head go a bit funny, but. Um... Not sure that's how perms work, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not particularly au fait with Worf's journey, but towards the end of TNG, he kind of takes on a role within Klingon society, though, doesn't he? As an um, ambassador, more like diplomatic, very diplomatic. Uh, does role. he not have like a, a family position that he takes on as well? But he's um, but but he has an experience of living and learning to live and becoming more. Well, I want to say human, but humane or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Yes, like um, I did literally write down war from cultural sensitivity. Yeah. Um, so I'm not disagreeing at all, but I, th- I think there was maybe like this kind of like he started out, kind of became more Klingon and then had to kind of. Yeah, no, I think this was just a clumpy, a clumpy episode. It was sticking there. Sucky, be waiting patiently with your hand up. Shoot. I just wonder how long how long had Wolf been on DS9 by this point? This is season four. He came in season four, didn't he? I want to say season four. So he was that all the way from the beginning of season four? Because if he'd been like just suddenly turned I, up, the only reason I'm saying want to say four, I think that's no, no, no. I sometimes get confused between Wharf coming in and Seven of Nine coming into Voyager, which I think was earlier on anyway. Well, I just but say yeah, maybe I, think, I want to say, say season four. Yeah, maybe they were just the DS9 uh, producers were trying to uh, show what sort of character Wharf was by making do this thing, which is. You know, after Wolf's history with TNG and then into into DS9, it's a bit out of place because he should be 
well, well placed in the way things happen within human society. I, not I, being put in a china shop as he was. I watched it twice, and I think on the first watch, for some reason, I did my head. Two things. The first was would be quite a good, a normal explanation, which was the stress of the situation. Obviously, tempers are going to be frayed, frayed um, or that suddenly sucked in some sort of raj gas that uh, started making people get angry. Um, so that was my thing. Maybe they're dehydrated. We don't know. I've got my ideas on the water and food. So. I was, I was going to say that. Imagine that, like fucking when the Dominion, when the discovery said Dominion, Dominion ship, and the, they're saying press, press that green button to speak to us. Right, first things first, lads. Where's your pisser? And I want a fucking drink. <laughs> Sorry. These things are they're not trivial. They are fundamental to human <laughs> existence. And, but like, there is a point where, when they all start going a bit raj, um, and yeah. like they're clearly climbing the walls. Like I struggled there because we hadn't really had an update on how long this had been going on for. Like I was 47 days. To... He says I, it. No, he does. I, he, says, I, he says, oh, it was a great shit. 47 days here. I bet that's been building up that bugger. Do you not hear him say that? Strangely, no. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like, I, like, and there was a time check not long after that when they talked about how long the bombardment had been going on. But, like, I, I couldn't get my head around, like, is there something wrong or have they just been stuck in this situation for, like, 15 hours now and they're all just getting a bit crabby? Like that... Lack of sleep, yeah. presumably. Yeah, lack of sleep and backing up. You know what I mean? Gets me raged. Timeline does is a bit confusing in that it, they says it says it's going to take us two and two and a half days. Or Kira says that I think two and a half days to, for them to get there, and then a bit later on they've got thirty six hours for the ship to appear. Right, so. That between that bit where on Deep Space Nine and the bit where they start getting the bombardments, like ten hours of that, and then just straight after that it's thirty six hours. So it it is a bit confusing. Where is it two and a half days? Is it longer? Have they been there longer? It is a bit confusing the timeline in this. No, I I, I didn't even pick up on the timeline issues to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, now you say it, I should have done really. The, and what? I was just going to say about. Um, got the the minor characters right you had moonies which is i, I didn't know that he was he's been the like red a, shirt yeah, kiki no. i thought he was called kiki the orange shirt the engineer no, but it but would be a red shirt if it was yeah yeah red shirt yeah but he, he's a character that has appeared in deep space nine before has he yeah according to um why did you throw it as a question that confused me no no okay sorry <laughs> he's <laughs> a character that appeared in right. Deep space nine but even in this episode right because I, I have never seen this is the first time i've ever seen Deep, this episode Deep space nine because i've never done a full rewatch of this show right and i really did like his character the way he was interacting with um with uh o'brien and with cisco uh, so you know, like he he was quite a decent, nice character, and then to have him killed off, it did bring, uh, it did bring. Go on. I was just going to say, I think I think O'Brien's like, I think he does come into his own in Deep Space Nine, yeah. and, and I sort of regret that he didn't get more screen time in TNG. Um, and he's always particularly at his best when he's got that concerned sort of 
like slightly paternal friend vibe about them. So this is like this is like Pete O'Brien, but at the same time, it, it's a bit of a like it was one of those like trope laden like kind of red shirt deaths at the same time. But I don't think it was done badly. It just like it is what it is. Like it's like it's almost like part of the pattern of Star Trek, isn't it? Really. So like you, you kind of know that kind of thing's going to happen, and I don't think it was like badly executed. But it was a bit of a like it's one of those like cheap emotional kind of took at the heartstrings are always going to die um so i, I think it, it did kind of it, i think that was to serve o'brien's character as much as anything else really yeah Lindsay. yeah no no i agree like i think it was done quite well like i would like however to point out that at various points various people were tasked with looking after this person and like five minutes later he was lying on his own again. Like, they're not good at looking after their wounded in this episode. Like, Max was told at least three or four times that she was supposed to be looking after him, and she kept fucking off. Uh, sorry. There was, was a bit. Just, in, in fairness to Dax, like, being in this situation, like, her, like, brand of disheveled is just to have one strand of hair hanging out, which, like, would normally be there, and to look immaculate otherwise. So, like, looking after the wounded might have, like, you know, it might, might spoil the aesthetic a little bit. It, it's the it's the Janeway school of like this is a disaster. So this very specific strand of my bun has come out. <laughs> there's there's um they, they say Talorth the 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 alien creature part of the crew that got killed earlier on. He had the medikit, but there was a number of occasions where they were outside the spaceship. I'm assuming his body was still there with the medikit. Why didn't somebody pick that up instead of just use ripping off? bits of their own clothing to make sure he doesn't bleed to death. Oh, can we have a conversation about those detachable sleeves of O'Brien? He's just very strong. He's very strong, David. He's very strong. He's walked up and down mountains and hills, hasn't he? He has to to be very Uh strong to cope with his uh, absolutely disastrous marriage to Keiko, who's... (laughs) They do not like each other, so he has to have additional strength for that reason. I'm not quite sure what to well, make of I that. I want to say, uh, th- th- this this red shirt, Kiki, whatever he's called, pissed me off, even though he's not a red shirt. He was fucking far too gobby for a red shirt, in my opinion. I know he's not he's a red been... shirt, was he? Well, he kind of is meant to be a red he's shirt. He's an engineer and he's like... He's no, like he has actual character development. And he has yeah. character development. Like, the red shirts are the, like, nice. the, the people on the shuttle who get killed, like, red, without uh, ever uttering more than half a uh, sentence. Uh, he, was a bit yeah. too, he was a bit too desperate for it, you know what I mean? He was a bit too acty. Yeah, but the thing is, with the red shirts, they're security, Stupid they're comment, disciplined, they've got to be like that, whereas engineering is a bit more formal. They can say what they like. I mean, like, O'Brien's like, keep saying it to him, they'll call me sir, call me yeah. Miles. Can I, can I make the uh, absolutely key point that uh, the B-plot, which was Quark, Doctor, uh, Odo and uh, Kira, with the shenanigans and Quark's illegal imports, does not get be- resolved properly. I was about to say, is it a B-plot if there's only one scene? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a ridiculous B-plot. He needed more. But he, he was desperate for it, wasn't it? Andrea? That's really, that's the only light relief in the episode, really, isn't it? That, there's that very brief, almost like anything, I don't even know why that scene's there. But I do quite like the idea that Quark's like the, the station drug runner shipping this <laughs> Viagra around um, uh, via sort of the doctor... <laughs> And the, yeah, Bashir, the I love side. the way yeah, love yeah, Bashir gets involved as well, and it's all a bit thingy in it. It's, it's just one of those. Th- it's just one of those things where they've got to pay the actors, 
and they've got to utilize they've been paid for x amount of episodes so well, there's your one and only scene in the Desperado episode. Desperado red shirt, he earned every penny he was acting, didn't he? Got he it all in red there. Shirt. A very daring actor act. Um, <laughs> like, my biggest issue is I came away from that scene going, so Kira, so, okay, let, let me put this in context. So, in every episode of Star Trek, there is the ultimate question of, well, why have you sent these people? And the answer is for plot reasons. But, like, with DS9 and with this, it feels so fundamental. Like, why would you send, like, the operations, uh, like the head of operations of a, 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 a space station, the commanding officer of a space station. Like, I don't understand why they send these people into the Gamma Quadrant to do the research. I, why would you not have a specified designated group of people who I are out there doing geographical, like geological I don't understand. Service? I don't understand why you are bringing this up when every single Star Trek known to man has ignored that shit. Yeah, but you weren't like in, like so. So let's take this out. Voyager, we, like, Voyager have a limited number of like people. Oh to my choose god! From. It's not so a real thing. From... It's a fictional <laughs> thing. It's not a real thing. Stop yeah, it. but like Voyager needs to like send those people. Like I no, don't understand it's... why you would. Well, well, it needs to send somebody, and they've got like 126 people to choose from. Like DS9, I... like Starfleet could send anybody out of DS9 into the Gamma Quadrant. Anyway, yeah. um, you, but also if Kira then phone. leaves with the Defiant. Okay. If Kira leaves DS9 with the Defiant, who is in charge of DS9? Uh, well, I tell oh, you no. what, I, I've got a new. Just we'll have a little break. Oh, well, I was going to say, got, is I'm it Odo? Is it is it is Bashir? She doesn't tell anybody that they're in charge. Nobody is in charge. You. Oh, I'm going to you on this one because I can't understand why Cisco, Wolf, Dax, and O'Brien went to look at some fucking rocks. No, no, it makes literally no sense. <laughs> They're the main characters. That's why they do all this shit. <laughs> all this pretending to be an organisation is just bullshit fiction. But, yeah. but again, this is the struggle. So DS9 is set on a space station. Like oh they, they, they are not on a ship out there adventuring and doing they shit. Are the, they, they are, are running they are, a space station. No, they are running a space station. Cisco is in charge of a space station. I'll tell you what, your ideal episode would just be the fucking admin and HR, <laughs> wouldn't it? And who fucking makes sure we get enough water? Do the taps work? That's all that's fucking important. Where are the shitters and how... I, I, you know what? I would totally watch an anyway, episode I've, of that. Everybody I've, else I've, in the world would be fucking bored shitless. I've got a new section of the show that we're going to go into. It's called Let Someone Else Get a Fucking Word Nedgeways. Andrea! <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I think I would... Fuck HR. I don't like HR. But I think I would really enjoy, like, Star Trek, like... Just like the janitor or something, like going around these brush. Like I think that would be like like topping. Like what was that? Yeah, Gene in Discovery okay, bumping up his like have they got like I know they've got replicators, but there must be some actual like space scanners as well, like making the dinners for people. Like they be, be uh, just doing a little bit of additional news. Lower decks, talking of which, that sort of scenario. Yeah, that's it. Uh, season two arrives in August. I would watch somebody like I would watch like I would like an, like an episode not like an entire series but like an episode of somebody trying to organise the duty roster that keeps getting like fucked over because everybody keeps being sent on away missions when they're supposed to be doing boring regular duties <laughs> why don't you fanfic it then fanfic <laughs> maybe it, I will then. maybe I will like it doesn't take a lot to give them lip service like yeah. all it would take would be for Kira to call some random operations person and be like you're in charge until I get back like three words or in the the lift thing going down or maybe she yeah. communicated from 
Yeah, but we don't know anything to know these things. Kira like, is his number two. It's 45 minutes long this episode, Bab. Yeah. Well, I know she's his number two, but he's now literally taken every senior member of staff except Bashir off the station. Like, Bashir and Odo are it. I've and neither of them are really... neither of them are in the command structure. Who cares? Yeah. I've got, got one red shirt down for earlier, but now we've gone back and, to change your mind. Andrea. This might get us shot down, or like, please don't have me felt this, but really, like, I wouldn't leave Bashir in charge of a dog. Like, no. you want to leave a space station and just go, like, yeah, you're the only, like, senior person left. Like, I'm thinking around, like, I work in an organisation and there are, like, many Bashirs who you could leave in charge and the school would burn down. Um, so I don't know why you would leave. I, I honestly, like, I wouldn't, like, I wouldn't leave him in charge of a cake. I wouldn't leave him in charge of a dog. Like, that is not a good choice to, like... De- definitely, definitely wouldn't leave him in charge of a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. No, wouldn't you leave Nog in charge? Isn't he? Uh, isn't he an boy now? Oh, Nog, yeah. No. Yeah. Ain't he? No. Okay, then Jake. Then you leave Jake in charge. No, Son of the commander. Son of the captain. That's how it works, isn't he? Uh, anyone, in, anyone in charge of the most important space station due to the wormhole in Starfleet? Just fucking Nog, walking around, well. being a bell end. Quite respected later on in years, wasn't it? I like Nog. Anyway, another interesting thing. Go on then, John. Go on then, Bob. Go on then. I was just going to say, and I was going to enter to enter quick fire, so I'll come to you first. Uh, have you got uh, much more left there, John? Well, Kilana, played by Caitlin Hopkins, was also uh, what's she called, <laughs> Dala, in a Voyager episode of Live Fast and Prosper, I think it is. Maybe. <laughs> so she plays. She plays Janeway. Yes. She plays Janeway. <laughs> ah. Yeah. Or at least. A knockoff version. Did, did any, a better looking one. Did any yeah, of you, uh, when really. you first saw her name appear on screen, go Katie Hopkins? Yeah. <laughs> I just got a Unlucky. When I Googled <laughs> her, I got a lot of Katie Hopkins. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Have you got Have you got much more in your notes there, here you left, John? Uh, right, so I have written three times just fucking die, Muniz. Um, <laughs> oh. <laughs> Uh, the 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 water lady uh, Kilana, it's, it was just a, it was a little bit weird her line of trying to get what they wanted. Uh, it felt like a little bit like it was just badly done. And O'Brien was ace in this episode. He normally is, doesn't he? But uh, he probably ace because he was away from his wife and uh, <laughs> and he hates her. And so. <laughs> and, Andrew, what's here? You got a little. I really kind of felt like the Vorta lady kind of thought I'm going to go through the repertoire here. So yeah. she, tried, I think she tried the flirty, um, slightly horny like approach, which might have worked on Kirk. Um, she tried a bit of like, I'm like feeble, help me. Like I'm like I don't know what I'm doing. Like please, it's like it's my first time. Um, and it, it did feel a little bit like. I don't know. I think it would have worked better if it had been a character we knew. I think you, you could have like made that storyline. If it had been Jeffrey Coombs, that would have been uh, a lot more meaningful to to the whole idea of what was going on there because they wouldn't have trusted him. Yeah, Wayne should be the only Vorta. Oh well, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. about that. That's a little bit. Uh, be nice to the female Vorta, please. No. Yeah. Because there was four females in this, wasn't there? Did you not? Did you? Oh, you no, know no, no, I wasn't counting. Let's I go. was. Counting? Neither was I. I. Was. Ah, oh, wow. I was doing that for the ladies, for lady what power man? or whatever. I did. There was four. Who? 
The, the alien one. The names or names. I don't want that, fucking guesswork and Bob stuff. I want yeah. proper names. The fit alien one. The other no, fit alien what's one. What's the name? The other fit alien one. And oh wow, it was Kira, Dax, Valerian, whatever she was called, and uh, no, Kilana. Kalana, yeah, there you go, four. Three? <laughs> three, <laughs> three Jesus Christ. Uh, it was three then, wasn't there? Cool. Well, uh, be honest. It was the one on, one on the shuttle pod that got yeah. killed. Blue oh, yeah. one. Yeah, there you go. Called Bulbo, Blabo. Um, John, have you got much more left in you? No, thank you. Well, that, cool. Uh, Lindsay, I'll come over to you next, please. Empty that okay. tank. Um, so there was a, a science crewman of an indeterminate species, which I thought was quite interesting. I was like, I don't feel like I've seen that species before. Um, they were oh. kind of bluish, but not really Andorian. Okay. The, the, um, the sort of ones that looked a bit like what, Star Wars, the blub blub faces one, blub blub blue flares. So yeah, alien uh, alien descriptions that I hadn't recognised, so it sounds quite good. So when they're walking across, like there's this beautiful formation, like there's like peak like tactical formation, and then this one little random engineer following on behind definitely looks out of place. Yeah. Um, I was like, I feel like they should have at least been walking like in the middle at the back, maybe. Yeah. Um, the DS9 theme is not a, an unpleasant theme, but I always feel like it goes on forever. I um, it gets apply to that to music. all. Star Trek theme, to be fair. Possibly, possibly. I guess to call Mini's name, and I feel like that's the end, and then it goes on for like another 30 seconds. Anyway, um, there's a lot of damage on the inside of the ship, despite the fact that the outside seems fairly kind of unscathed, and that seemed odd to me. But it is it is mostly um, in the rock. You can tell it? it's going to be an O'Brien episode like quite early on, because obviously you get the chat from right at the start, and then they do things like send them up the ladder first, where it doesn't really make much sense for you for him to be up there first. Um, I have a question. The shuttle that they arrived in, why did the shuttle not just, like, land? They were, they were doing scans, geological um, scans from space. <laughs> Hold on. They were doing geological scans of large first. areas. They're doing it while they were doing that. We're doing two yeah, but they could have done that, like, on the approach. They didn't need to, because... Okay, okay. They needed constant scans, and also, the fucking ship had crashed, and they needed to beam down quick, sharp time. Um, so the design of the Jem'Hadar, like, I feel it's really interesting because I never remember what they look like. Yeah, it was a bit generic, aren't they? Yeah, yeah they like, given what a big part they play in, mm. in like, in DS9. Like, I, I, was, I, I genuinely was, couldn't remember what they looked like. I knew they were who, coming, who, and I didn't. Who are the bad guys in uh, Voyager? The Kazon? Well, there are very, various ones. No, like, but, they like, look a bit yeah, like the Herodian. But yeah, they are kind of distinctive, but these didn't look distinctive at all. They just look like generic Star Trek monster. Yeah. Andrea? I think Andrea. there's definitely a thing that, like, the more sort of reptilian and scaly they are, like, the badder they are. Like, you think Cardassians are quite, like, reptilian, and they're quite scaly-looking things, like, like almost like dinosaur-y. Um, it does seem to be a recurring theme that, like, that the bad aliens, like, are quite crusty and... I don't know what the equivalent of it's just mammal reptile bigotry in, on display, isn't it? Yeah. We don't like the reptiles, they don't like us. It's, well, it's, it, it's quite interesting, I think, in Enterprise Season 3, where you get uh, the Zindi, wow. who you have multiple different kind of bits of, of, of um, like the species in five parts. Um, and that's quite interesting, like this idea that there's like avians and arboreals and 
Could be, yeah. Well, as well. I often find that the Star Trek's adherence to the must be humanoid shape and the way they kind of use DS9 to explain why is yeah. a little bit of a shit. I didn't like that at all. I think they should have been going down the route of stuff like the Tholians, where really, truly uh, alien stuff, where, uh, you know, uh, they don't all breathe oxygen and walk on two legs. and That was know. a cool idea. So I think there's an interesting challenge in the fact that we struggle to under like we, we struggle to believe things that are beyond our understanding. Yeah. So therefore I think like it's easier for us to believe that there are other like bipedal alien species, even if they've just got like wacko foreheads. Um, but like or if they start to give us people with like casting. eight yeah, well as I was say eight arms or three heads, we would be like, This just is ridiculous. Um, and also beyond the budget of anything that Star Trek could have done at that time. Do you get fairy reptiles in real life? Like, do you get, like, cuddly reptiles? Is there any? Serious well, question. Are they all just called, like, skin or whatever? Like, rough? Yeah. Kind of the well, nature of reptiles. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why. Reptiles. That's why they're evil, then, because they're not fairy or cuddly, or are they? Yeah, again, Bob's picked his hill and he's going to fucking run with it. Sorry, Lindsay, carry it up to this thing. <laughs> no, no. Um... So, like, so when Cisco gets on his high horse about like keeping this ship, I, like, I absolutely understand why because you know they're at war, like they're at war, they're about to be at war, and they understand the value of it. But, like, let's let's face it, Starfleet would never accept that kind of chat from somebody else. Like, oh yeah, we're we're claiming scavenging rights on the ship because we you abandoned it. No, we've claimed it. Like we've seen that time and again where Starfleet's gone like, no, fuck off, it's ours. Like it may be crashed, but it's still our ship. Um, so like, it just, I think that might be just, anything to do with the war footing, though. Well, I, I think absolutely yeah, well, yeah. is, but it doesn't yeah. show Starfleet in its best yeah. light. The Federation on a war footing is. It, it, it's just weird and like Cisco's attitude about claiming the ship it brings back that question that I often write down but don't often verbalise because it is slightly specific is that like often Jamie's criticised for her behaviour in the Delta Quadrant I understand it but like it just makes me think like what what on earth would Cisco be like in those kind of circumstances um, if this is what he's doing now but he, he, clearly, he clearly sees that there is a need for that and he clearly sees that they need the uh the what the having that ship and the intelligence that it would bring because he all the way through his tenure he is essentially the war doctor captain and he is doing the uh he's he's he really fully buys into this war and he's really fully invested in it and so he's doing essentially what war footing captains would do he's, he's just not fucking around going oh what do you what what do you want let's find happy medium he's like no fuck off Fucking doing this. I like that. That's the diplomacy stage, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. I, Ivory Brooks is excellent in this episode. He's Arthur. brilliant. I think but, he's awesome. Yeah, and the bit that really stands out is the bit where you got O'Brien and uh, War fighting like little babbies, uh, and he just comes out and just takes control of the whole situation, and at the same time tells off his best mate because uh, she's she's decided to butt him with a joke or something, and he's telling her, you know, yeah. stoppy, all right, and just and then just gives them all jobs and sends them all on his way, and he's there. All he seems to be then concerned about is Moonis. As I, like, I, I, I really struggle with the juxtaposition of like, oh, he's the war captain. He's like, oh, like, ba 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 ba. And then for him to like throw in the platitude at the end about being like, oh, if we'd just spoken to each other, it would have been fine. Like, it's, it's like oh. it's like there is a, a natural, a natural conflict there with what they're doing. But yeah, that's what he's expressing, and that's how yeah, he but expresses it. Don't, 
don't you don't you after a situation where you think you you it's all happened everything's happened and then you think to yourself maybe i should have done this differently you reflect oh, yeah. on it you sit there and you maybe discuss it with your best friend and say i should have maybe done this maybe i should have done that and then that's that's our whole situation they've actually shown it whereas in other conflicts would have just gone bang 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 end of episode well famously when this ends when this entire arc of the war with uh, uh Vorta and all that lot uh, the dominion ends he is uh he's expressing the fact that he had to do some shitty things some shitty non-federation things and he was willing to do that because he felt that it was worth it and he would do it again that doesn't make him a bad person it makes him pragmatic in a way that often staff star trek isn't yeah no no and i i don't i don't like I, I wouldn't argue that there isn't a value in that or there isn't a need for it i just think it's yeah i don't know that there is much conversation around the fact that some of his behavior is less than you know federation ideal um and it clearly it clearly is um, I did on a lighter note. Um, when when we find the dead uh, founder, or when the, the founder dies, my brain went immediately and strongly to the "it is an ex founder, it is no longer." Wow, you went for the you know, parrot sketch. So a bit of a parrot <laughs> theme going on, and just because I noticed that Jadzia has special tailor tapered sleeves because she's a girly girl and she needs to look nice in her uniform. Maybe that's a, a special alteration as made by our favourite Cardassian spy. And then I wrote at the end, who grieves for the others? Because um, it felt very much like Munoz was being grieved. Like, you know, there was a casket, there was like people sitting watch, like the rest of them. The well, rest they, of there were three other officers killed. All so. right, yeah, I mean, no, but like, perhaps they've, got, perhaps they've got their own place with their own casket and their own people that weren't in the episode standing next to it. I mean, if you plus don't the, see something, you are aware that you can use your imagination to work out that it's actually happening, don't you? <laughs> Well, the, no, I know, but only two bodies. Was there how many caskets yeah. was there? The no, other there three would have been dis- disintegrated. Die, die, don't you? Fuck them. I know that. Um, Lindsay, is your tank empty yet? That is my tank empty. Lovely. Over to you, Andrea. Any final thoughts on this, the ship episode? Um, I felt like there was a little chat near the beginning um, about sort of mountains and hills in Ireland, which I felt was a, a little reference mm-hmm. to the Englishman who went up a hill and came down a mountain, which, of, yes. of course, um, <laughs> is, is in that movie. And I think time-wise, that works out quite nicely. Oh, cool. Um, the wolf's hair I've mentioned. Um, have a look. Um, I'm always fascinated by the names they give to tools. Um, someone sits down and thinks... One of them is Bob. Uh, <laughs> hyper spanner is the one I'd written down, so I'll let you. Um, is he hyper and is he a spanner? Um, I think all that time and attention, like people give thought to like what they're going to call planets and what they're going to call races of people, and and they came up with hyper spanner, which sounds pretty shit to me because I don't know how you can have a hyper spanner. But there we go. Um, we've just solved the problem because apparently it's Bob. Um, 
It's not a, stel- a self-stealing stemble, is it? Let's face it. <laughs> the shooting was horrendous. It was like you're watching an episode of the A-Team. Like, they couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. Like, no wonder they ended up hemmed in that shit. They had about, like, 53 shots in open ground and hit nothing. Um, so I think, like, shooting practice required when they get back to base. Um... And also, they had the proper proper rifle guns, not the bendy stick ones, because the bendy stick ones, they're shit, aren't they? You couldn't aim them properly, but they had the proper ones with sights and that, didn't they? So there's no excuse. But, like, yeah, literally, there was, like, like how can you not have hit any of them? They are, like... Yeah, like, oh, no, yeah. They're not, like, there's no cover. Um, they're not even running. Um, so I thought the shooting was pretty terrible. Um, and I think that's most of my um, vaguely sensible points out of the way, I think. Thank you very much, Andrea. Uh, Suki, uh, final thoughts, comments, whatever you've got left on your on your oh, jotter. There's please. only a couple of things. Cause quite a few you've all mentioned. Is there? Or the others? You're right. But, yeah. Well, you've, you guys have been quite considering uh, right. what you were mentioning. You so I'll, it's all gone. Hoya, is that a male character, male actor, and with a female voice um, dubbing over it? Because it looked like a male actor beyond underneath that mask. The blubber blue one. Yeah, the one that was on the uh, the run around. Uh, I assume it's a female. I assume the character, the voice was female, but the actor. Don't assume the gender. We know this, but I, yeah. in this situation, I did. But it was like... gender neutral. Ha! Learning. <laughs> the um... laid eggs. <laughs> they, they were, uh... I think the phrase you're looking for is non-binary, but yes. Gender neutral. I thought, oh, fucking had to do something wrong, didn't no, I? You don't, Jesus, you, you're not wrong. <laughs> I, I, yeah, there you go. I'm right. Sorry, um, okay. They managed to uh, the move forty-two bodies and bury them over a hill, right? Which I thought, which is a bit strange. Uh, yeah. I think. Hard work. Um, there was a line that Dax said, and I have a feeling that if it had been said by a male character, we, we would have been shot down. But she said maybe she lost an earring, right? and I thought uh, if that had been the male character, who was it in reference to? So uh, when the Vorta, yeah, Vorta. Oh, did she want earrings on, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, I I did flag it. I forgot to write it down, but it it did strike me as being a bit flag. dodge. And I think that's the end of my notes. Really, Andrea. Yes, I was just going to say, is the point not that not just as kind of like as a critique of the water that they would go to those lengths like for really trivial things? Like it almost doesn't matter what they want. Like uh, I, I don't think that's a a thing. Uh, I'm not having that as a thing. I think that was meant to sort of imply that, like, well, it doesn't really matter because it's like that's what, like, that's what they kind of like if they want something they want is. Yeah. Mm. I, I think the point they were trying to make was that it, could, like, she was trying to make was it could be literally anything. Um, like she's been set out to find whatever it is that they're looking for, and she's like, really, really, Benjamin, it could be anything anywhere. Um, but it does rely on that stereotype of, you know. The somewhat the irrational thing, response to having lost something fairly minor. The other thing as well is Dax has been making these little asides, little uh, jokes, whatever you like call it, barbs at other people, and that's uh, when Cisco has to split the two boys up. That's when he turns on Dax as well because he's just he's just had enough of whatever she's saying, maybe. I do feel that Dax, Worf, and... Uh, to a lesser extent, O'Brien, are just facilitating plot bits. They're really... Whoever's written their, their parts for this one has said, right, we need somebody to act stroppy so we can have our character development A. 
somebody else. Yeah, definitely. I think they were just too, they were just not given any service this episode particularly. The, the other thing, the forty-two bodies, the sense of forty-two uh, vote, one voter, forty-one Gemadar. There's got they've got to be fed somehow on this ship. There's got to be a galley, therefore there's got to be some water on there. But the only strange thing is, nobody seems to be giving water to Moonies. You now see him with water. Oh, fucking shut up. Like so I'm just, oh, shut up yourself. I'm just backing. It gives a fuck about if someone, half this podcast has been about having a, where they have a shit and piss and drink your water. You, only you started the shit stuff, Bob. <sighs> Yeah. I think I did, to be fair. <laughs> exactly. Oh, no, I just it. it was me. I'd have thought you'd have realised by now that we like to blame everything bad on Bob and you get away with absolutely you get fucking away. murder. That's a good Every point, week. Andrea. That's so, a good point. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a problem fact that you and I are less likely to be red shirts than your average pair. <laughs> um, Sucky, is that all you got left, yeah? That's me, done. Awesome. I mean, for my two penneth, um, I think watching this out of context of... Um, yeah, because DS9 it has the biggest arc out of all, all the Star Trek series. Um, and the, the Dominion War is massive in it. Um, the, found, the founders are massive in it. Um, or changelings, or whatever you want to call it, and there's just so much, so much. What's the word? You, can, you can't dip in and out, especially as the, mm, the, the season's gone in yeah. DS9, because you don't get the same severity or whatever, and that's what this lacked a little bit for me. Um, but we have all seen it, so we can kind of dip into it, knowing yeah, the yeah. general arc. So it's it's just it's if just you were a... to come in, if you were to say to somebody who had not seen any of it, just prop plop in, and, and Andrea has been doing that in the past. Yeah, it's true. weird, isn't it? Because you don't really know what's going on. I think Sufi hasn't seen it, have you? What's oh, that? that's a point. You've not seen all of DS9, have you? No, I've only seen the first season proper. Episode. So, but you found it quite you found it quite enjoyable and good. But I mean, yeah. if you if you add on the rest of the what what happens in all this sort of time period, this period of uh, each series is just basically a massive long arc, pretty much. Um, and it does add a, add so much more because it is brilliant. Um, but but yeah, I think I think this is what we would call a filler in the arc, if you know what I mean. This yep. this is what I would be, think of as a filler. It's, it, yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. It's, it's, it's also a bit strange that this is you guys are classing this as a filler, but it's actually the hundredth episode of DS Nine. Why didn't they go with something a bit more? I don't iconic, think they go off epi- episodes to the. They go off anniversaries like twentieth, tenth, twenty fifth, fiftieth, or whatever, rather than number of episodes. Even even Doctor, I don't know many TV shows that just do the hundredth episode thing or the fiftieth episode or whatever. It's more on, you know, the anniversary of of the the year it came out or whatever. Any podcasts that do that, Suki? Yeah. Well, it's Voyager's hundredth <laughs> yeah. episode, not timeless. Like I'm pretty sure they made a big deal of that. Don't know, but no, it's not. It's yeah, not a, think, necessarily yeah. a done done thing. And there's not many TV shows that make it to 100 episodes as well, so I suppose that's yeah. something to celebrate, isn't it? Massively, like, yeah. Um, but everyone's on, on. I think, well, Cisco is my favourite favorite captain, um, definitely in Star Trek. I love him, I think he's brilliant, but I think the rest of them, like we've touched on, were completely out of context, and it didn't feel like they're characters for the, for the majority of it, um, which was weird. I found that a bit weird. Um, Weekly written is what yeah. that is. And 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 I think that should that should be not. I'm not going to blame the actors, but they should. What's the word? They should try and. They know the characters. I don't think you'd have ever got that in the next generation. You know oh, there I mean? are 
episodes where the characters in TNG are absolutely not well written. Like it's I mean, not a, it's not novel. That, but I would never have picked I never would have said that after watching a full rewatch of DS9. But I think you just watch this episode on its own, uh, you know, out of context of the of whatever. So. I think I think maybe maybe that was done in such a way as to really try and reinforce the peril that they were in. Yeah. And that yeah, people yeah. were acting out of character. Maybe that was their yeah. thought pattern, but it did come across as just basically uh, this week we're going to 2D write these, can't be bothered with 3D. But I think I think with O'Brien and Worf, because you know them so well from Next Generation and obviously DS9 for O'Brien, um, you know you know them so well that it does feel a bit weird being out of context. But anyway, uh, it's time to put some lights on this. How many lights you see? There are four lights! I asked how many lights you see. Lights out of five, so how many lights do you see, Sucky? I see. It's a really good episode, enjoyable episode. Uh, so I'm going to give it a good four out of five. Oh, strong. That's, do you know what? Having seen this out of context, that's massively strong, Tucky. Yeah, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by that. Uh, Lindsay? Um, yeah, so I think without knowing that everybody seems to think that this is like an incredible episode, I think like I wouldn't have perhaps been so frustrated by it. Um, so I'm going to say three. Like, it's, 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 a, it's a good episode. It's fine. Fair enough. Uh, John? Yeah, I'm going to echo that. I'm going to go for three as well. I think it's a, good, it's, it's a good episode if we try and ignore certain problematic aspects. Yeah, fair enough. So three, four, three, four, three, three. Uh, Andrea? I'm going to give it a three and a half because I did quite enjoy sitting watching it and it's been really easy to savage it. But that's how part of the fun. Usually episodes that I completely I do a hatchet job on, like I've actually quite enjoyed watching it, and then that's the point at the end of the day. So I, I think three and a half. Fair enough. That's wrong. I am going to. This is a middle of the road filler. Now I didn't know this was renowned in fandom or anything like that. I didn't have a clue to be honest. Um, I don't understand. Maybe when you're watching in context of the series, I'd understand why. But I was watching it in a single episode, so I'm going to give it two out of five. Because it's a middle, well, slightly less middle road filler. It's just all right. Um, cool. Anyway, enough what we think. Let's find out what you think in listeners' feedback. Listeners feedback. Well, you've heard what we think. Let's find out what you think in listeners' feedback. John, would you kick us off, please, darling? I will happily do so. Dave from Doctor Who Show says, a good little episode. More than any other Trek, DS9 feels like the crew are real people with real emotions, and that shows here. It's also one of those DS9 eps where the horror and reality of war is shown going beyond just sci-fi space adventure. A very DS9 bleak ending. Four lights. Thank you, Dave. Wrong. Dave, thank you very much. Uh, Sucky. Got Doctor Who's line is it any anyway, which is uh, Miles Northcott, and right. he's put DS9 was well into his stride by this point, knocking out superb episodes every week. The Dominion ones being the standouts, this was another cracker. Well worth a watch. Cheers, Miles. Lovely, thanks, Miles. Uh, Lindsay, do you want to get all man on us? Uh, no, is the answer to that question. <laughs> um, however, I've got a, a, um, a review from uh, Shep De- Shep's Deep Dive. One of the best episodes of DS9 from season five upwards, the storylines ramped up with a Cold War tension. 
this episode showing war from both sides. Action with soul due to the great writing. It's not a happy ending, but more real in showing the hard decisions which people come to. Awesome. Uh, thank you very much, Ships. Uh, Andrea, would you read the next one? The next one is from a, fa a Facebook group, uh, UK Star Trek fans, by the way. Um, so we've got Andrew McLaughlin, who says, think that Vorta was far too clever for her own good, but gorgeous as well for an ambassador type. Lovely, thank you, Andrew. And these next three uh, are from uh, Star Trek Yorkshire uh, on on uh, on Facebook. Straight to point, these people. Noel Anderson, uh, not a fan. Awful acting from Vorta. Sorry, Joel Fox. I'd say every Vorta actor, barring Jeffrey uh, Combs, 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 uh, wasn't the best. Um, Christian Booth, uh, Kalana was a filth for sure, though. <laughs> filth, that's mint. Uh, okay. um, Bad John, back to you. Um, our dev says, our dev. Ooh, that looks like a quarry. All proper sci-fi programs should film in quarries. I don't remember the episode, but if it has a quarry, then I'd give it three lights. If it was Betch with quarry, it would be a four. I promise to actually watch the thing that you review next time. Thank you, Deb, for your commitment. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, and thank you, everybody, indeed, for your feedback. It's time to vote for this this time's b b b b b red shirt. I woke up this morning, put on my red shirt. Oh, it's red shirt time, Sucky. I'm going to come straight on you. What? Uh, what? You, who's going to be your red shirt this week, and why? Well. I'd actually got all four of you down for something or other oh. during the whole episode that we recorded, but I'm actually going to go for... Well, it was going to be for Bob for it, shouting at me about something about poo and stuff like that. But then I realised when Andrea says that it, she started the conversation, it's now actually going to be Andrea's fault, so Andrea is going to be the red shirt. Andrea's got a red shirt for Fucking well, yeah, hell. Well, we've been talking about it for a while now. She never gets a red shirt, so I've had to make up an excuse to give her a red shirt. Why was uh, Lindsay? Who were you voting for? Oh, the options, the options. <laughs> um, oh, I don't know, I don't know. Um, look at little John's little face. Um, I can't be I can't be too grumpy at him because he also agreed with me quite a lot. So I think you get an out this week. Um, I'm going to go with Andrea for taking us down that particular uh, rabbit oh, hole of. Uh, Wow. A humour that we could have probably lived without. Hey, we guys, know, you knew when you mentioned it, Bob was going to follow it down to its zenith. I would really have liked to have known that we were all going to turn on Andrea this week. This is great. Yeah, I just got the <laughs> scent. I just get the scent for poo, do you know what I mean? Uh, Andrea, you've got two. I'm going to come to you, Andrea, for any retaliation that you would like to put forward. No, Bob, I'm going to dominate you. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What, I, why? Feel like, I feel like I might have lit the torch, but like you like ran with it and like lit the yeah. flame as always. So like oh. I feel like we're in this together. So like <laughs> it, I, I want to take you down with us. Okay, this is getting tense. What about you, Bob? Me? Um, I don't know. I had to shout at Sucky for something, so I'm going to vote for him. I can't wait to shout. But just not my fault. Well, he's just so unruly. Aren't you? You're just fucking rebellious and argumentative and all the bad things, aren't you? That's your problem. You're so aggressive, Sucky. I think you need to go and seek, seek what some What have you help. called yourself? <laughs> what have you called yourself? On Zoom, by the way, for the listeners. 
I've called uh, myself carers now, Job. What have you uh, called yourself? Sounds Sucky's a bit like it, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, Sucky's oh. blows jobs. Um, right. <laughs> Just saying, you no, it's not like you blow jobs, as in you, you blow a job. Like when you were at Blockbusters. You know, you blew I it. was undecided, yeah. but now I'm thinking it's definitely going to be fucking bull <laughs> at this point, hasn't it? It's not, not going to be Lindsay because Lindsay is lovely and I argue with her just for the sake of it at times. I love you too, love it, don't you? And it's love not it. going to be Andrea because she only put, you only dangled the rod of scatological shit and you just bit the fucking thing and ran off with it. So it is going to be you, Bob, for that reason. So me and Andrew have got two all we're a joint uh, red shirts, Andrea. Oh, that's lovely. How would you want to kill us, you bastards? Spend time with each other. Cleaning the 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 um, sewer facilities of like a, a giant what starship with a toothbrush. Just what leave with you cleaning and fucking admin. That's all you'd be concerned about just, this episode. Just leave him in the Jemadar ship with no toilet, no water, nothing else in there. Obviously, there isn't anything of those facilities in there. So just leave him in there. What to die? Dying our own piss and shit they have dehydration. That sounds beautiful, that. But, there we go, oh, Andrea. You could just you and Andrea can fight each other in a Coliseum battle. <laughs> I'd like to in the see quarry, that. you might as well do it. Might as well. Quarry, so it's like Gone versus Kirk, innit? Like, Which one is gone? That's what I'm I want to know. Well, it's pay, not me. I'll <laughs> paint myself green. Paint myself green, and uh, Andrea can be Kirk. We'll fight to the death. It's going to be fantastic. Randomly, we're going to find out what we're what we're going to be watching for the the next review on this podcast, or what we will be reviewing next time. John, I'm going to ask you to crunch some numbers and randomly pick an episode from the Star Trek universe for us to review next episode, please. All right, here we go. Ooh, TNG. Oh. TNG. Season five, episode twenty-three. I Borg. Get in! Wow, that is a fucking great random pick, isn't it? Good. I'm happy with that. Wow, was it? So yeah, oh. I, what? I was just yeah. gonna say I haven't apologised for taking us down completely the wrong episode last time when I was like, is that the episode with? I think we all led each other, Lindsay, to be fair, down that one. Um, so I'm not going to surmise to what I think I bogs about because uh, we got it wrong last time. But that's what we're reviewing next time. Uh, so we'll be putting things on social media if you want to send us your review of uh, the Star Trek Next Generation iBog. But until then, thank you very much for joining us and goodbye. Bye. A terrifying threat from the past. Kill it now. Sparks a moral dilemma. We can't leave him here. He won't survive. And violent memories collide. It's not a person, damn it, it's a boar. Now will the crew seek revenge with a daring experiment? Sending him back to destroy the others like some sort of walking bomb. Or will it lead them into an enemy trap? And then they're going to come looking for us. And they will destroy us. On Star Trek The Next Generation.